We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. This podcast is brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network, and I'd like to welcome Manscaped as the presenting sponsor. Manscaped has the new Lawnmower 3.0 that, guys, just works wonders if you've got a, uh, a shaggy situation going on down there. If you want to support this podcast, you've been a listener, want to want to help me out, uh, more importantly, want to support your balls, make sure you can get a nice crew cut situation going on down there. Use promo code BIGSCREEN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. They've also got a, a thing. It, it's ball deodorant. It's great. Trust me. But uh, okay, today's episode. If you didn't hit the skip button at the beginning of this pod, which if you did, go back and listen, you'll have uh, heard the promo for Blue Wire's new narrative soccer podcast with Brandon Kelly from the Always Cheating Pod. It's called Golden Goal. If it piqued your interest, that's great, because today Brandon Kelly joins to discuss his five favorite soccer movies and really give me a crash course on some movies I'd never like seen or even heard about. Um, I've got some stuff I'm definitely putting in my queue for sure. It was a fun conversation, you know. plus one of his top five favorites uh, is one of my favorite sports documentaries ever. Um, also got to talk about Michael Fassbender towards the end. Big Fassbender guy, so uh, it was a fun convo. Um, real quick, want to shout out the recent five-star reviews the podcast has gotten on Apple Podcasts. 
from, and I am going to butcher these names if you're a longtime listener, you know this, uh, Roblius, Quincy Pondexter, and CMAC9124. They all three left really awesome reviews that they both helped the podcast. They soothe my very fragile ego. Um, you know, really appreciate that. Everyone who has taken the time to rate and review, we're right up close to 200 ratings. It'd be awesome if we can get that. But, um, you know, just appreciate anyone who shared the podcast with a friend, anyone who's joined the big screen sports Facebook group where you can uh, talk sports movies, get questions in for future episodes. And of course, anyone who tunes in and listens every week, um, next week's episode, going to go back to usual format, going to talk the program, a college football movie with one of my favorite college football writers, Barton Simmons. Uh, but for now, let's talk some soccer movies with Brandon Kelly. All right, joining me for today's episode of Big Screen Sports, he is the co-host of the Always Cheating Podcast and host of Blue Wire's new Golden Goal Podcast, Brandon Kelly. Brandon, thanks so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Kyle, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, I am thrilled to talk some soccer movies, but before we do, tell the folks about the brand new Golden Goal Podcast. Yeah, Golden Goal, it's the first original production coming out of Blue Wire's podcast studios, and I am your tour guide, effectively, through the history of soccer's great moments and legendary players, and it's a great podcast for fans who have loved soccer for a long time if you're just getting into it or if you know nothing about it, and that may sound like a slogan, but... Each episode is 10 to 15 minutes long, max, so they're really bite-sized. And I feel really lucky about the people who wrote and produced these episodes. So much is packed in there. Not just my narrating you through these moments and telling you about these players, but lots of uh, commentary from these magical plays, like great sports commentary, live play-by-play snippets from interviews from these players and really cool music it just kind of takes you into these moments and that was uh i think tricky for me as a soccer fan i'm trying to be the uh sort of um the voice in your head but i am kind of sometimes going to these moments with you and there were a couple uh times where i was getting a little choked up reading these scripts because i was just really in in the zone so i think that the final package of golden goal is really cool. And like I said, it really it's it's low investment to just check it out, see if it hits you or not. And this episode that we are recording right now is dropping on if you're listening to this the day it drops, it is Monday, July 13th. So what episodes are out right now? What's in the rear view? What can the listeners go check out at this moment? Uh we just dropped today the Megan Rapino episode and the Zlatan Ibrahimovic episode. And for those of you don't, who don't know how, who Zlatan is, he's the big Swede who made a splash when he came over to LA Galaxy for a brief moment in Major League Soccer. But in Europe, he is this giant of a man, and he's famous for uh, just these brash moments on the field, uh, just because he has the sort of the physique and body to throw himself around and make these incredible moves. He's not like the silkiest player. And then last week we dropped, um, shoot, which episodes did we drop last week? Well, I can tell you what's coming up uh, shortly. It's Mohamed Salah. If you follow the Premier League, he's the Egyptian king, uh, broke the goal-scoring record in the Premier League. We also have Marta, Brazilian 
legend. All right, Pele. Pele, who we are going to talk about a bit in this episode. Pele dropped last week, too. So the stars kind of run the gamut from old legends to newer players. Like Borussia Dortmund, it's, it's this German team in their top division, the Bundesliga. And they're famous for bringing new players into the fold, like Erling Holland and uh, American Giorena and uh, Jaden Sancho. So Golden Goal also does talk about players that you may not have heard of before that you need to be paying attention to. With what we're going to talk about today, uh, you mentioned Pele. Uh, Pele is in what I don't want to don't want to give a spoiler alert. Pele is in one of your featured in one of your five favorite movies. We're going to kind of talk about the soccer movie genre. And I've done, this will be, I think, episode 80 of normal epi- of normal episodes, not counting, like, bonus episodes on this podcast. And soccer has been by far the least represented of the, the major worldwide sports, I would think. I've covered two soccer movies on this podcast out of 80. There's really a, you know, and, and obviously the sport is not, it has not been an American sport, or at least on the continent, and as popular as some of the other sports. Um, the the soccer movie genre, at least when I think about soccer movies I've seen, seems to be geared a little more towards good documentaries than feature films. Why do you think, you know, is that, do you think that is just because of the newness of the sport in, on this continent compared to its worldwide fame? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you if you look at the movie industry as a whole, who kind of holds all the cards? It is the United States. They have the biggest global movie industry. So they are keeping their American market in mind. And soccer, while it's it, it has a global audience, it's arguably the most popular sport in the world. There is no real there has not been a market for soccer culture in the states and it's just it's really starting to speed up now so i think when i'm talking about my favorite soccer films they all end up being documentaries because where there is no culture new fans uh who come to soccer they seek to learn about the sport they want to know everything i'm thinking about like if if you become a baseball fan if you become a jazz fan suddenly you have this uh impulse a compulsion to know everything. And there are so many great documentaries out there to to feed that to you. And it's going to be a long time, I think, before there is a hunger for dramatic films about the sport of soccer here in the States. If you go to England, there are a number of dramatized and, and, and fictional movies about the sport, but they rarely make it outside of that country because there is uh, more or less a kind of a lack of understanding of how that culture fits into our American day-to-day. Yeah, and the, the only two movies that I've covered on the pod are movies that I hadn't seen before my guests who were soccer, each soccer podcaster suggested them. One was Mean Machine, which was the British version of Longest Yard starring mm-hmm. Vinnie Jones. Uh, the other was When Saturday Comes, which was, I believe, actually either directed or written by an American, but to me, it was a very, like, British movie. It starred a very young Sean Bean. Uh-huh. Uh, it kind of kind of interesting. It was very... It, it, it was just okay. It seems like there is a blank canvas, because of, the, because of the popularity that soccer is starting to 
to the kind of the momentum that the sport is getting in America, it seems like there's a blank canvas and it's really there's an opportunity for a good classic soccer movie or two to be made because there's just nothing out there for American viewers. Whereas you think about baseball movies or basketball movies or football movies, there's kind of been a lot of just your cliched classic sports movies that have been hit. Yeah. Uh, it's it's tough now to make a unique baseball movie or you know a unique basketball movie, and you know just the movie landscape in general has changed. You know a lot of a lot of unique movies just aren't getting green lit right now, at yeah. least for major theatrical release. But do you think the sport is getting to the point where it is popular enough where we could actually see some sort of major theatrical release? The last one I can really think of is bend it like Beckham. Yep. Like actually hitting the the mainstream. I th- I think so. I think so. I I think to a degree a lot of this stuff is universal. I think of Fever Pitch. Do you remember Fever Pitch about the Red Sox with Jimmy Fallon and I think Jim Moore was in it? That is a uh that's a very guilty pleasure of mine. That movie is objectively <laughs> not good, but it comes on MLB yeah. Network all the time. I think right. I posted something on the Big Screen Sports Twitter about just like a poll like is Fever Pitch good? And I, I had the options yes, no, and no, but it's rewatchable. And I think no, but it's rewatchable one. So Fever Pitch is actually based on a novel by Nick Hornby, who is a diehard Arsenal fan. Arsenal play in the Premier League in England. And if you're in England and you're talking about the soccer field, it's referred to as the pitch. Is the player on the pitch or off the pitch? And of course, in baseball, pitch means something that's easily translatable. So it's it's funny to me that that story that Nick Hornby tells in the Premier League in England is easily mapped onto the same story and a baseball diamond in the States. So it's kind of like we're all telling the same stories. It'll just it's going to take, I think, a generation or two before just seeing soccer players or the idea that people are operating in a soccer universe is something that feels natural and organic to enough Americans to actually open a movie like that. Yeah, you'd have to think that at some point the sports popularity will be able to hit enough in the country to where they start thinking the reverse of that. Like they're like, hey, why don't you know, soccer's so popular, there's enough of a base for this. Let's make our soccer major league. Let's make our soccer yeah, right. remember the Titans. Let's make our soccer, you know, Bull Durham for whatever, you know, about a minor league soccer team, something like that. I think there's there's a lot of potential, and I'd be open for that. I'd obviously, I think at, at this point, I'd be open for any kind of new, unique sports movie trope. Uh, but totally. before we get into your favorites, I wanna I wanna talk about a few of a few of my honorable mentions because admittedly I have not seen and even heard of some of the movies on your top five list. I'm I'm very much a soccer novice. I watch the World Cup. I understand. I, I have a very rudimentary understanding of Premier League, but um, a few of my favorite soccer movies. One of them I I think is something we've both seen. One of the better 30 for 30s and that's saying a lot because i think what 30 for 30 is done for movie documentaries or sports documentaries is incredible but the the two escobars and i went into that knowing far more about pablo escobar than i did andres escobar i'm sure when you saw that you knew a little more about andres than i did i did this game that andres escobar became known for 
now notoriously, was was a major, major moment for American soccer fans. So you had to go back to the World Cup in 1994. It was well and truly soccer coming to America. Part of the deal for the United States hosting the World Cup was they had to agree uh, terms with FIFA to start their own professional league, and that's how Major League Soccer came to existence. So, so much of what we know in soccer in the States right now resulted from the 94 World Cup. And the match in which Andres Escobar, a Colombian international, scores an own goal to put his team behind, a team that was really favored to do well in this World Cup, um, is known to me as an American fan as the match in which the U.S. actually overcame Colombia. So while it was painful for Escobar to score that own goal and do do harm to his team, I was loving it. And I actually, the, the play I remember most from that match is actually Marcelo Balboa, who's a central defender, who just this gorgeous ponytail and this, this really masculine uh, goatee. He had this um, bicycle kick and... One of the Golden Goal episodes that it, that talk, that talks about Pele that goes into Pele's importance in soccer kind of talks about how Pele is you can't untie him from the bicycle kick. He really made that move uh, famous. It's, it's just like you, your your foot goes over your head. It's really beautiful to watch. And Marcelo Balboa almost scored a goal on a bicycle kick, and it was amazing. So then, yeah, flash forward uh, a couple of months, and Escobar ends up back in Colombia and he's he's effectively assassinated by Escobar's gang down there and that is what becomes the awful story that resulted from what was ultimately a joyful match for a lot of American fans and i think part of the the soccer the how the sport comes off in that one is you see the passion and craze from from fans that it incites in another country because I'm not sure there's an American sport that 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 would happen. I mean, obviously, like a you know, let's just say like a gang hit would happen mm-hmm. because of a mistake in the Olympics or something. Like we love basketball, we love yeah. baseball, we love football. There's obviously not international competition in football, but no one's you know crying over the World Baseball Classic or anything. But it kind of shows the the passion of soccer fans, especially in international play with national pride on the line. Um, and, and just the, the rabid nature of those fans in general. And that's, that's something that's really relevant in a movie that we've both seen. That's in your top five that we're going to talk about in a bit that honestly like blew me away in that regard, the, you know, how crazy fans are. But another one of my honorable mentions that we have both seen is kicking and screaming, which is the <laughs> sure. about as opposite of the two Escobar's documentaries you can get. It is, I would I would say how kind of was talking about earlier about soccer is right for the taking, and you know let's do the soccer major league, let's do the soccer bull Durham stuff like that. This is kind of the soccer bad news bears. Yep, <laughs> they just say Will Ferrell in a in a kid soccer movie, and it's not a you know exactly the bad news bears. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's character is not as much of a just complete scumbag as, as Buttermaker. <laughs> he, he, do, he does. Bears. He does invite Mike Ditka to be the coach for a while, if I if I'm remembering it correctly. So there is a literal reference to bears 
in kicking and screaming. So um. he does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Ditka, who is his dad's neighbor and arch enemy, and his dad is played by Robert Duvall. They got Robert Duvall and Will Ferrell for a kid's soccer movie, which is really <laughs> it's really fun to think about. But it it has the ultimate uh, children's sports, youth sports trope in that, which I love when it's used effectively, like in Bad News Bears and this, in that an addition of one to two really good players can completely change the landscape of your mm-hmm. youth sports team. <laughs> All you need is one is one guy and, and one player, one or two yeah. players. In Bad News Bears, it's Kelly Leak and Amanda Wurlitzer. In, uh, in Kicking and Screaming, it's just the Italians, which I don't... <laughs> I don't know if that goes over as well in 2020. If you just if it's mm-hmm. these Italian immigrant kids who do, I believe don't speak English and they just say past to the Italians all the time. Yeah, it's it's tough and it, it it's it's you're right there in the middle where you think we're a generation away from like a, a not weird Will Ferrell psycho comedy about soccer because you're focusing on the kids playing. And that was, that means that it's pretty normal for parents to have their kids in a soccer league. So in 20 years, is it going to be pretty normal for those kids to actually be playing in high school and college? And we'll zero in on that. But yes, we're before the, the uh, enlightenment of, uh, um, of, welcoming different cultures into our communities uh, with a bit more grace. That's a really good point about you said cuz I was going to I was going to note that it like it's crazy. I think that movie came out in 2004, sometime around that like the mid the mid aughts and it really hasn't progressed and we haven't gotten many more American soccer movies and you're right in that at that point in time it was normal for kids to play, you know, youth soccer, because it's, I would say it's the easiest sport to, as someone who has a six-year-old son, it's the easiest sport to just throw your kid out into the field and be like, oh, at least they're going to run for half an hour. Yeah, they don't need all the equipment that, like, you you might with football or hockey or or t-ball, you need a lot of equipment. You do, but the th- the problem with t-ball is it doesn't suit small small children. Want to run? They want to move. They want to not listen. Soccer is very simple at a small age. Like you can run. You don't even have to participate. Like there are kids who know what the deal is and will take the ball and and dribble and score. And there are other kids like kind of mine will just run around and like being around other kids and and like playing t-ball. You have to be a lot more like you you have to be a little more dialed in you have to be able to pay attention to not get hit in the face by the ball you have to know that you have to run to bases there's a lot more standing around it's tougher but yeah. all that to say is that it's such a young kids playing soccer is so much more was more of a normal thing than okay what's you know there there's weren't as many american kids growing up and saying okay i want to be an mls draft pick and not like i want to be a college football recruit and now that generation is starting to come to fruition where it mm-hmm. would maybe make sense for you know a high school soccer movie or a college soccer movie or right. something like that right right precisely um yeah it's funny you mention um smaller kids too you 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 offer me another window to plug Golden Goal. Uh, the episode I was forgetting that, plug came, away. that came out last week was for, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Lionel Messi, who is perhaps the most well-known, uh, this side of Ronaldo, uh, soccer player in the world. And the Golden Goal episode focuses pretty much solely on his height and how much of a miracle it is that an Argentinian guy who's five foot six, became the most dominant athlete on the planet. So soccer is, I think, like a great leveler in terms of 
you know, big people, small people, uh, strong people, fast people. It kind of welcomes all player types in a way. And that's where it really could appeal in the long run in American sports because both basketball and football, I think, are the most popular sports we have at this point, but they are very much, there's a certain level of athletic ability you have to have to be successful at those sports at a high level. Like if you, you know, if you don't have a certain size or a certain 40 time or certain wingspan, you're just going to struggle in those sports. Baseball has long been the equalizer in terms of, you know, different bot like Jose Altuve has won an MVP and he's shorter than I am and I'm very short. Aaron Judge has won an MVP or at least has come in. The, I can't remember if he actually won the MVP, but he's come in the top like top three of voting and he's six foot seven and there's all things in between. Soccer has a a cheaper barrier to entry than baseball. Baseball is being, uh, I would say, ravaged by the the travel ball industry. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and the barrier to entry, and it's, it's locking out a lot of potential athletes. And soccer could really be the new sport of of the everyman, mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, obviously, yep. it takes extreme skill, but soccer could be a wide the, the new sport for athletes with a wide variety of skill levels. Absolutely. You hear stories about this all the time. Players from Brazil uh, and communities all over the continent of Africa where all you need is a balled up piece of trash and a couple of friends. You don't need shoes. You don't need you don't need jerseys. All you need is some friends and something to kick around and an understanding of the rules uh, by which you want to play with your friends. And that's where these 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 techers as they call them the the skills the great skills that high uh, that youtube highlight packages are built around come from yeah you don't need to have to be part of a suburban will ferrell youth team that you know paying thousands of dollars to travel from this state to that state to actually become uh have access to the sport but if you're not on the will ferrell travel team you don't get to get coached by hall of fame tight end mike ditka there are pros and cons right (laughs) Uh, Brandon, let's take a quick ad break and then get back to your five favorite soccer movies. Big Screen Sports is proudly brought to you by Manscaped, who are the, without a doubt, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Guys, we've all been there. You've been using some off-brand trimmer, probably something with a cord, probably something you got at Walmart, and you're, you're trying to trim things up, make it look nice for... Whoever, whoever, whatever you do in the bedroom is your business, and uh, you savage your balls when you do it, and that that shit is terrible. It sucks. Uh, that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. I'm the worst, like I'd be the worst surgeon in the world. I have very shaky hands and uh, so far no problems with the lawnmower. Uh, this, it's got water resistant technology, allows you to groom in the shower, quick cleanup, which is nice. Uh, I think everyone's significant other would appreciate that. There's also a charging stand. And while the ad copy says it's a great way to show your mower off loud and proud, 
it's actually a, a great way to not lose your charger because uh, pulling back the curtain, I used to have a lawnmower 2.0 and I lost the charger because I'm an idiot. But now I have a charging stand, not gonna have that problem. You need to not have that problem either. It's time for you to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGSCREEN at manscaped.com. Your balls are gonna thank you. 20% off free shipping, code BIGSCREEN at manscaped.com. And as always, Big Screen Sports is proudly brought to you by betonline.ag. Sports are coming back. Folks, we almost have baseball back. We're so close. Wear a fucking mask, okay? Wear a mask, we'll get baseball back. But sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start them than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out your odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? BetOnline has futures odds including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we're back. Brandon, the the whole premise of this episode is for you to let the listeners know what your five, as a soccer expert, what your five favorite soccer movies are. Um, looking, You sent me your list beforehand. I got to take a look at it. Uh, one of these movies has long been on my watch list. I haven't seen. One of them is one of my favorite sports documentaries of all the time. The other three I'm less familiar with. Okay, I have to, um, so I have to I want, educate you. Exactly. And I want you to educate me and the listeners, people who who would like to see some some new soccer movies or get some new sports movies in their life. So kick us off. Tell us what is your, your number five, your fifth favorite sports movie or soccer movie? I've got to say, Kyle, I'm pretty happy with this list. And I think it takes us kind of around the world of, of soccer culture from from the sport to the people who play to the people who coach and the first movie on this list kind of starts with the macro talking about the business of the sport and it's a documentary called once in a lifetime the extraordinary story of the new york cosmos new york city 1977 a town where anything was possible and there was one club that everybody wanted to get into. The New York Cosmos Soccer Club. So you think New York Cosmos, this is an American-based soccer team, but this is like a weirdly global story. And it's a story of how in the mid to late 70s, um, uh, American broadcasters and commercial enterprises said, you know what, maybe we should just pump a bunch of money into this team, the New York Cosmos, and see if we can, if we can crack the code, if we can turn soccer into a phenomenon here in the States like it is across Europe and turn it into like a money-making broadcasting machine. So the New York Cosmos at that time in the 60s into the 70s was for whatever it was worth then the premier soccer team in the country and they were in this league called the NASL and the NASL present day has kind of run into issues with major league soccer and has kind of got a small brother issue and its its power is is quickly shrinking and New York Cosmos doesn't even exist in the NASL anymore you have to 
go to a 5,000 seat uh, f- uh, stadium in Long Island if you want to still catch these guys playing. But um, Once in a Lifetime talks about the, this moment, and it was right around 1974 where they decided Pele, who is the greatest player uh, to that point who had ever played the game, he'd won three World Cups for Brazil. He played for a club team in Brazil called Santos, and he was retired. And the New York Cosmos and their partners, Warner Communications, which are probably still a billion-dollar enterprise under a different name now, decided they were going to bring Pele out of retirement for $1.4 million, along with a few other European stars, including uh, Franz Beckenbauer, who is this German defensive legend, to kind of put all their money into this. And what and one point four million dollars in the seventies is like that's a well paid baseball player today. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it took. I think it was. There is a scene in which they actually get Henry Kissinger to get on the phone with Pele to say, "Hey, we think this would be a good idea, basically, for global geopolitics for for you to show some love to the states, and we can make sure like people around the world see you on TV again." Um, it's not so the you, wildest phone call Kissinger ever made. But. <laughs> yeah, that's right, precisely, precisely. That ranks low on on the list. Um, but what I what I love just in the watch, uh, once in a lifetime, you, you're learning a little bit about sort of sports media and broadcast media and kind of what it goes into trying to v- develop a fan culture. But once in a lifetime is just set in this insanely colorful era of the late seventies, and so you just see all this Gonzo marketing and. And, you know, the wild sort of worldwide of sports uh, broadcast packages that so many professional sports got back in the day. And you're, you're bringing yeah, South American players and, and notably European players into the mix who are quite, quite free and easy with their, um, with their brands. You've got players like posing in nudie magazines and creating a bit of a stir and it was just all a lot of cash and marketing and ideas that ultimately ended up going nowhere. Like you could say at the time that Once in a Lifetime is showing you, it actually, you know, hit the Richter scale on, yeah, more Americans were paying attention to soccer. I think at that time, the Cosmos was aver- averaging 40,000 fans in attendance at Giant Stadium. So, Part of those two is they, they moved them to giant stadium to sort of legitimize them uh, for your, you know, your neighbor who who thinks that soccer is for communists and he only watches things uh, on a football on a football pitch. So um, it's just it's just a really insightful look into this this time period, plus America's constant grasp at try, how how do we capture soccer fans here in the states as opposed to growing it organically and i think where we are now with major league soccer major league soccer is not like setting the country on fire right now but it's doing the work it's taking time it's i think the mls has just celebrated its 25th anniversary it's going to take more time and you, you just have to grow these things organically and the the idea that marketing alone can create a culture can legitimize something in fans eyes even before you have fans is just kind of an interesting exercise well and it's something that 
that the whole the concept of let's bring in these big aging names is something that MLS has kind of done that you've seen them do since their inception. I, I think the biggest one, the one that like I remember as a novice soccer fan is when Beckham came over, um, Terry Henry came over, Wayne Rooney is is here now, correct? Uh, he was he he just left to go back to England. Yeah, he was playing for DC United, and now he's back at. Darby County, who, which actually Darby County, now that you mention it, makes a brief appearance in my next movie. Um, but yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. The MLS, they, they have this designated player rule, like a player that you can break your salary cap for. And I think what you continually hear from actual MLS fans is the stories that interest them most are the teams with young players, players that you get to discover on your own as a fan. Not basically, uh, you know, a franchise owners saying, "Hey, here's somebody you've heard of before, and they're, uh, you know, they're basically on their way to pasture. So let's get one more, one or two more years out of them." You know, that's really not going to excite fans who want to be part of something that's growing grassroots style. And I, I think it's, I think it's interesting to think about the league and its youth. Like tw- 25 years is just when you think about 25 years of Major League Baseball with American and National League, if I remember correctly, American League was founded in 1900. First World Series was 1903. You think about 25 years, Babe Ruth is just getting going with the Yankees. Yeah, right. It is very, it is very early on. And that's with, you know, 40, 50 plus years before the turn of, you know, before the 1900s, the turn of that century of baseball kind of cultivating in the country so mls is still very much in its infancy and i think you're right in that um it would that organic growth is going to be more important than the this the big international splashes um brandon break down let us let us know about what your number four movie in because this is the one of the ones i haven't seen that has piqued my interest the most is one that i i always say like god i need to watch this (laughs) okay so number four is the damned united it is the only dramatized film on my list football is a beautiful game austin needs to be played beautifully. You asked me to find a player with a good head, experience, but I found one. It's perfect. This involves me leaving Leeds United after 13 happy and successful years. Well, I'm not Mr. Evy. Who do you bloody think you are? Brian Clough. Brian Howard Clough. Uh, it, it for anyone out there that just likes a well put together film that has you know some dynamite British actors in it. I mean, Michael Sheen is in this movie. Timothy Michael Spall. Sheen, the God. <laughs> yeah, right. He I mean, never he, misses. Never misses. He is good in everything. He's just got that kind of face that you can't take your eye off. And I remember first discovering Michael Sheen like like you. I'm sure most people. Frost v Nixon or Frost Nixon, whatever the title of that movie is. and Actually, still... actually, okay, he, go was on, an, go he was an underworld like five years before <laughs> right, that, which is like right, the right. Kate Beckinsdale vampires versus werewolves movie. You and got me there, Kyle. he plays a long-haired <laughs> werewolf in that one. And he's I, great I, in that one. <laughs> I genuinely remember um, somehow walking away from that movie. I wasn't thinking, wow, Michael Sheen, what a per- performance. I think I was still 
uh, thinking about Kate Beckinsale at that point. But um, he's so good at playing smug characters. And in The Damned United, Michael Sheen plays Brian Clough, who is a, a based on a true person, Brian Clough, who is considered to be the one of the, if not the greatest manager to ever work in England, the greatest manager England has ever produced. So Brian Clough got his start managing soccer teams in England in the 60s, and the Damned United picks up this story when Brian Clough is on the rise with this team, Derby County, who we mentioned Wayne Rooney now plays for in England in their second division. And he he's has so much success at Derby County that he ends up moving to this team, Leeds, Leeds United, and they are the premier team in England uh, in the early 70s when he makes this move. So it then becomes this story of hubris and ego and ambition and revenge and all of these petty things that um, follow people around as they achieve success. When I when I was thinking about this movie getting ready for this podcast, I was like, man, this Dan, the Damned United is actually one of the most depressing sports movies I can think of because throughout the course of this movie, Martin, Michael Sheen's character, Brian Clough, he's like losing his loved ones, his business partner, players hate him because he's trying to stick to certain philosophies that, that he believes is true and will get him through and are always constantly biting him in the end. So I would say for people who are kind of new to the sport or aren't familiar with this story, it's cool because it doesn't romanticize soccer. It's not going to give you some sort of polished version of the sport. You get a pretty authentic idea of what the sport was like in in England uh, and not in London, like in the in the smaller suburbs of of England where sport really is life. There's a scene where Brian Clough in order to recruit a player for his team, he just walks up to his house un- unannounced, knocks on his front door. You know, back then in the 60s and 70s, a lot of these professional soccer players in England had second jobs. You know, they worked down at the mill. They they uh, worked at their their you know wherever around town. Um, so it was it was not that unheard of. Um, so it gives you a good sense of, of that kind of culture, the, the, not really the roots of the British game, because talk about, you know, how old these league leagues are. They've been playing FA sanctioned matches in England since before the 1900s. But if, uh, if you're an American trying to get into the sport, what you have ready access to is the Premier League via NBC. NBC shows every match that the Premier League plays. And the, that's, that is the British game, and a movie like The Damned United gives you a real feeling of of that the spirit of the British game and where that comes from. And you can rent that one on Amazon for four dollars. I meant to say you can you can buy Once in a Lifetime: The Extraordinary Story of the New York Cosmos for thirteen. But Damned United is available to rent. Um, Michael Sheen, I, I, it is. I am going to watch that movie this month, I've just decided, because he is incredible. If you want another Michael Sheen in a sports role, uh, Seven Days in Hell, which is the the Andy Samberg, the Lonely Island parody of a okay, the bicycle match. Movie? <laughs> no, that one is um, oh, Toward the a Pharmacy. Tennis the tennis, the tennis one, one. The tennis yeah. one. Uh, he He's in a bit role, is a very like horny, creepy 
sports announcer and it is yeah. uh he is he is fantastic but let's roll into your your third favorite sports movie brandon take us to that one okay number three is called zidane a 21st century portrait so before you go into it can i can i let you know your viewing options for this one go on please. there's a dvd on amazon for five dollars <laughs> there's a blu-ray on amazon for 126 dollars <laughs> So um, that is that's that is real, Kyle. And I didn't pay a top dollar for the DVD, but I remember first hearing of this film's existence uh, around two. Th- I think it came out in two thousand six or uh, five or six. Um, and I was like, I've got to see this movie. Netflix was a thing back then. I was getting DVDs through the mail, and I was waiting for Netflix to get this in their catalog, and it just never came. For whatever reason, Zidane, a 21st century portrait, just never became available. Um, let me paint you a picture, though, if you can't see it. I mean, I think there is a clip, a brief clip on YouTube that you can check out. But it is it is uh, the movie on my list, I think, that, that covers the corner of soccer where you refer to it as the beautiful game. This movie is really focused on soccer being... Uh, um, beautiful and and something that takes you to another realm. Zidane is a player that we also cover in Golden Goal, and you would know this player from his exploits playing for France. And in the 2006 World Cup, in the final against Italy, Zidane was far and away France's best player. And in the waning minutes of extra time in this match, he ends up headbutting like violently headbutting one of the Italian players, getting a red card and exiting the match, leading to France, losing that match, and and then the World Cup. So this is how you know Zidane. But what a lot of people don't talk about is beyond his like temper and his his the violence that surrounds him, is he's known for being one of the most technically gifted and graceful players of the game in, in modern memory. So the filmmakers, I didn't, I didn't write down their name, their names, but they had this in mind. They said, what is most interesting about Zidane is how he plays the game. So we're going to set up a bunch of cameras all around a field, and we're going to just film him during an entire 90-minute professional match. This is when he was playing for Real Madrid in Spain back in 2005. So I, I think, Kyle, do you know of a, a movie about Kobe Bryant that Spike Lee did where it kind of does a similar thing where it follows Kobe around the court and just kind of analyzes how he plays the game? That's not the the one that he won the Oscar for, like the Deer Basketball. Is something different? Yeah, I think it is something different. Um, I, I actually... Uh, I've never seen it myself, so um, I could be I could be talking out of my backside at the moment. But um, it it is an idea that you know is is really appealing to to filmmakers who really just want to dive into their subject. So if you it, if there was you were right, it's called Kobe doing work, doing work. Yes, precisely. Spike Lee joint. So um, are you are you a fan of uh, Friday Night Lights? Surely you are, right? The are we talking the movie or the series? Well, I would think of the series, but I think my point applies to both. I'm thinking of explosions in the sky and how yes. they score yes. uh, both the movie and it's the TV the, show. The series, or the the movie is the movie is one of the most underrated sports movies. I honestly, think it gets forgotten 
and because of the series, but it is beautiful. And I also went to went to college in that that town, Odessa. So I'm very yeah. very uh, partial to the movie. So Mogwai is a band from Scotland, and they are Scotland's explosions in the sky. So imagine these high res cameras following this elegant um and zidane he's just like the perfect picture of a european athlete just like his his limbs and everything are in perfect proportion and he moves in this incredibly fluid way and he cuts this figure of a leader and he is a leader in this real madrid team that is actually stacked with players Ronaldo, like the original Brazilian Ronaldo, is on this team. David Beckham, Michael Owen, Raul, Roberto Carlos. Um, but you can't see any of these players during the movie because the cameras are just trained on Zidane. And it is a great document of what it is to actually be a player playing a soccer match. You see Zidane in these moments of stillness where he is trying to figure out where, anticipate where the ball is going to be. And he's just watching his other, his teammates do the business. He's making these small movements uh, to to be tactically aware. And then when he receives the ball, it, it for these brief moments, it and it's, it's action, it feels just poetic and effortless. But the the um, that all that all might, might sound a little too poetic for people who aren't totally sold on soccer. But going back to what we originally said, Zidane is known for this headbutt. So there is a wonderful surprise for people at the end of this movie. I will just say that Zidane doesn't actually make it to the final whistle of this match. Uh, maybe some violent conduct ensues, and just like Zidane. Ah, it's one of my favorite episodes of Golden Goal, too, because it really reckons with how do these great athletes uh, walk this tightrope of you have to be so dialed in to the sport. But in order for a lot of these players, like some players basically turn their brain off and that's how they're so as good as they are. But other players, they cannot turn off their emotion, their intellect. And that's where they get into trouble. And I think Zidane is just a great example of that. That headbutt is one of my, I wouldn't say my earliest memories of soccer because it wasn't like I was, a, I wasn't a little kid when that happened, but it was one of the first soccer moments that was gen genuinely like a, oh my God, I can't believe <laughs> what I'm seeing. I mean, like yeah. imagine if like, imagine if LeBron got tossed with three minutes left in a, in game seven of the NBA finals because they're just like a flagrant foul. Like he just like, he kicks someone in midair or something. Yeah. Just something crazy. It's wild. But yeah. I, it is time to get into your number two, which is one I'm excited for. It is the, I think, easily the best sports movie I saw last year. It's one of the best sports movies, best sports documentaries I have ever seen in my life. What is your number two? My number two favorite soccer movie is simply titled Maradona. Maradona. You can watch this movie on HBO, and it's a documentary that is, um, if you've seen, you and I were talking about this other documentary, Kyle, called Senna, by the, the same director who did Senna, his name is Asif Kapadia, and also the Amy Winehouse documentary. And for he which you won, won an Oscar for that one. I, and, and, okay, like, like, 
Senna had no idea what was up with F with Formula Run One racing. Absolutely riveting. Amy Winehouse, I don't really care. Absolutely riveted. Maradona, I'm a huge soccer fan, and you guessed it, I was totally riveted. But the way and I, I didn't know anything about my knowledge of Diego Maradona was he was a soccer legend, but I know him as the coked up guy in the crowd during the Argentina national games. Who's, who's given double, <laughs> double finger, double birds yeah, to the, right, right, to the rest. Right. That's what I knew him as. And the movie, the film blew me away. His style is incredible. He is. Um, so we talked about how Messi is five foot six. Diego Maradona ta- uh, topped out at five foot five. But he was like Pele, Messi, Ronaldo. You have all these players in the conversation. But Maradona, I think, is the one player where the most people would probably come together and agree as a gift as a player on the field of play was perhaps the best to ever play the game. And that was most exhibited in the 1986 World Cup and the episode of Golden Goal on Maradona that Uh, focuses on Maradona talks about the 86 World Cup where he scored two of the most famous goals ever to be scored in one single game he scored this really mazy dribble through the English defense and he scored the goal that was dubbed the hand of God where he jumped up for a ball that was in the air and it looked like he headed it in but replays would show that he actually punched it in with his hand so, yeah, like like you're saying, Kyle, people know him as this guy who basically lost the plot and became a cokehead, and he's scored this illegal goal. But what this uh, HBO movie Maradona puts into perspective is there is just this incredible full life that happened around that, notably the time that Maradona spent in Italy, in Napoli. So he... Um, Maradona moved from Argentina to play for Barcelona, the legendary Spanish club where Messi currently plays. He quickly had a falling out with management there, and they sent him packing to Napoli, this team in, you know, not the most romantic part of Italy. And he single-handedly lifted up this team to become not only Serie A champions, but uh, European champions. And We were talking about the tribalism earlier, Kyle, about how you can see the fan culture arise around a particular team in a particular town. And I think what's really cool to see in this movie is how the city of Napoli really lifts Maradona up as a god figure. And that is amazing. And also, you see, is what leads to his downfall because Napoli is just riddled with problems with the mafia and corruption and additionally this this football team is all Napoli has and the the management of the club refuses to let Maradona go and Maradona realizes my life might be slipping away before my very eyes with with all these addictions I'm succumbing to so it is so if the Zidane movie in my third position is just a very focused look at a special player playing a game. Maradona is zooming out and seeing the whole life of a player and, and how and 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 what success can 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 rot. The thing that blew me away about how he was depicted and what you learn about him is not the 
his greatness on the pitch, but it's kind of what you hinted at his life in Napoli and the, the pedestal they put him on. And like everyone in America, we all recently watched the last dance and you see the craze around Michael Jordan. And it was that to a much more intense and just the, the lack of privacy in his life was even like, even MJ gets that. And it, it was the, the, how the town, the city swarmed him with that, with that sense of tribalism, making him a, him a God, but then also how he was turned on when we talked about the tribalism of these nations during the world cup and mm-hmm. how much that means, um, yeah. that, that whole aspect. And then when you just, you get into how Capadia styles a documentary. He, the Senna is the same way. I have not seen the Amy Whitehouse. It's on my my list. But like with Senna, yeah, I don't know much about Formula One past the the Netflix series Drive to Survive. But it's still he makes documentaries in the sense of they are almost like action. They they are paced so well um, that they it's really just, are. It's they're so they're... so. It's just a, such an easy watch. It's an intense watch. Well, in, in through through all of his movies, I, I know Amy is the same way as Maradona. There is no voiceover. There's no narration. The story is told entirely through archival footage and interviews. And I think that as a if we want to just say sports movie, the sports element of Maradona, the footage that they have, especially um, of the Italian matches, the, the camera angles are like right on the field. You feel like you're there, and it's really amazing. But as you're as as you're saying, Kyle, like the rising action in this documentary. By the time you get to the '86 World Cup, and Capadia just puts you into the match commentary when Maradona scores his second goal, and the Spanish play-by-play is on full tilt. I mean, you, your your whole body is vibrating. You can't believe what's happening, and that. That encapsulates like why I'm here, like why I would say, why I would advocate for being a soccer fan. It's more more than any sport I have uh, connected with. The emotion of when when everything falls into place, and in that match uh, for Maradona, it all falls into place, and the announcers realize what they're watching, and you're you're put right there in this documentary, and I was just like on my couch, just absolutely vibrating. The parade after he wins the title for Napoli is like you can completely understand the kind of why his life went haywire in the sense of <laughs> I mean it's just an incredible piece of work. I would highly recommend everyone go check that out as soon as you're done listening. Uh, leave, leave your leave your desk at work and go go watch Maradona. Uh, Absolutely, Brandon. What is your number one favorite soccer movie? Okay, my number one soccer movie, and this this movie is wonderful because it not just soccer, but it is about how sports are for everyone. And it, I, there are there are a few things that I'll touch upon and kind of talking about what I love about the movie that will make that clear. It's called Next Goal Wins. I wish that I can go back and play against Australia, you know? You can't change anything on the, on the internet. It's still going to stay in the record for a long time. It's embarrassing, you know? I was there when Australia beat us 30, no. 30, I think 30 or 31. I'm not, but I know it was 30. 
the boys, they got the heart. I know they not really have the skills and everything, but they got the guts. We're always the underdogs and we always will be until we prove them wrong. This is not about any players you've ever heard of. It's not about any managers, coaches you've ever heard of. It's not even about uh, a team or a nation that you know much about. Next Goal Wins is a documentary set in 2014 about the American Samoa national team. So American Samoa is a U.S. territory that's you know somewhere in the middle of the South Pacific. There is an American naval base there, which is um, how a number of uh, Americans kind of travel through there. I don't actually don't like specifically know the history if it's a result of. Um, of uh, the war in the Pacific during World War II. Nonetheless, American Samoa does have a soccer team, and they are most famous for losing to the nation of Australia in 2001 by the score of... Can you guess, Kyle, what, what this notorious scoreline is? Is it is it real bad? It's real bad. It's real bad. Is it double digits? <laughs> yeah, oh it's 31 to 0. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> So this is this is really unheard of. So a, a real a real shellacking uh, in the Premier League. The worst results this season was nine zero, and people are still talking about it about the utter humiliation that was. Thirty one to zero is the worst defeat that of any sanctioned match at that FIFA has ever recorded. So. It's, you know, American Samoa is not a soccer nation, so this wasn't a surprise. But it's a, such a tiny little territory that, that has nothing um, by, by conventional standards. So the documentary swoops in uh, after this result when American Samoa is gearing up for two, the 2014 World Cup, and they want to try and qualify. So even though you're a team that loses 31-0, you still have a right to play in qualifying tournaments that build up to actual qualification for the World Cup. Uh, so it, technically speaking, American Samoa has played in the World Cup in, in a qualifying sense. So to help them gear up, they hire this coach, Thomas Rangan, who is kind of a weirdo in his own right. He's Dutch-born American, and he has a long history with the U.S. national team coaching in their youth system. He ends up in American Samoa for other reasons, because he and his wife are actually grieving the loss of their 19-year-old daughter, who was tragically killed in a car accident. And he takes this oddball job just to get away from his life and try and do something different so that he and his wife maybe have time and space to heal. And in the process, he meets all of these other misfits who are trying to figure out their own things playing for this American Samoa team. And some of these players, including the goalkeeper, imagine the goalkeeper who was in goal for this entire game against Australia, 31-0. He let 31 goals go by him, and he's still there to play for the team. And there are these really interesting interviews with him where he's talking through like the psychological aspects of of why he's still there and what it would mean for him to actually win a game. And uh this this team the the last thing i'll say about how special the team was they're the first team to ever field a transgender player in a world cup qualifier so you combine all of these things and this 
documentary crew has this incredible access, both to Thomas Rangan as the coach and the players. And you can see this is all set up. If there is one uh, victorious moment in this documentary, your emotions are going to bubble over and you're going to be crying like a little baby. And I won't spoil anything for you, but there will be moments in this movie where you cry like a little baby because it's a reminder that like the sport is strongest when it's a community effort, when it reflects the, 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 the sport that's being played on the field reflects the community where the field is and that the people are invested not only for, you know, whether it's their club or their nation, they're invested for themselves and they want to utilize sport to stretch themselves beyond where they don't want to be. And I just think it's beautiful. That um, a film like that, one, sounds right up my alley, and two, is why I wanted to do an episode like this. Because of the of the five films you gave me, this was the only one that I had no clue, no affiliation towards, no predetermined knowledge. And that sounds like something I, I absolutely need to check out, would absolutely love. Do you remember how you streamed it, how you got a hold of it? Um, I think there was a while, a brief while when the movie was released, which would have been maybe five years ago, thereabouts. As I said, there was they were gearing up for the 2014 World Cup. I think it came out around 2014-15. I think I did video on demand. Um, have you not been able to find it on VOD? Or, I looked or right before services? we started recording. It was unavailable on Prime. I didn't get a chance to look at Netflix, but it's something I'm going to have to do a, a very a very deep dive on as soon as we get off this call. Well, if you don't manage to find it, Kyle, and anyone out there listening, if you can wait a while longer, I do know that Taika Waititi, who is the New Zealand legend, he did What We Do in the Shadows, and... Um, Ragnarok, right? Yeah, Thor, Thor the Ragnarok, and then most recently Jojo Rabbit. Right, Jojo Rabbit. He, uh, a brilliant filmmaker. He was meant to begin filming uh, an adaptation of this documentary, of this story, um, in 2019. I don't know if they were able to f- uh, finish shooting before all of the COVID-19 stuff started hitting. But the movie is starring Michael Fassbender, Elizabeth Moss, Army Hammer. Oh, you didn't tell I, me that I Fassbender assume... was in this one. I have so Fassbender. much fat. I am up to my eyeballs in Fassbender stock. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite Fassbender moment is, is two of my friends went to see... They went to see Shame and one other Fassbender movie as a double header. I don't remember what the second one was, but they called it the Fassbender face melter. So <laughs> he's, I'm with he's you. so like, good <laughs> in shame. That's just a really tough watch. Like, I don't think I'll ever rewatch shame, but he's fantastic in it. Oh, sh- shame is definitely a, a movie where I'm reading the Wikipedia page uh, plot summary. I'm never watching it. Uh, that's for it's sure. Tough. But, if anyone um... <laughs> wants a, a fast bender, a quick fast bender watch, like an hour and a half movie, slow West on Netflix came out in 2014. It's fast bender. Okay. Jody Smith, McPhee, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, the guy who played the hound in game of Thrones. It's just an old, it's a Western. It's nice. really good. It's a quick watch. And obviously I'm all in on fast bender, but I digress. I've got to believe, I think they're filling out this cast with some non-white people, um, but, but you know, Fassbender, Moss, Hammer, that's, that's, that's still a pretty good start. Absolutely. Well, I am all in on that. 
I am gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find a way to get a hold of that. And it sounds like it, it could be the next great soccer movie. Hopefully, we have something to talk about here soon on the podcast. As far as that, Brandon, thanks so much for joining me. Tell the folks again where they can find Always Cheating and where they can check out Golden Goal. Yeah, absolutely. Always Cheating is the Premier League podcast that I host with my good friend Josh Landon. You can find more information about that podcast at alwayscheating.com. And Golden Goal, go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is that you get podcasts and just type in Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends and it's going to pop up. And right now there are four episodes available. Uh, I finally I finally got this down, Kyle. We've got Perfect. Messi, we've got Messi, Pele, Rapino, and Ibrahimovic. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's not the one that rolls off the tongue. And uh, two new episodes are dropping every Monday. They're great bite-sized episodes, 10 to 15 minutes. And the production quality is super sweet, and I can't take credit for that. So props to the whole Blue Wire team who worked a ton to get this Golden Goal project off the ground. And I hope that people check it out, subscribe, rate, review, wherever it is that you get these podcasts, because um, I think we could do more of them. There are so many more stories to tell. Well, everyone go check that out. Brandon, thanks a ton for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you give your podcast, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars, please. New episodes of Big Screen Sports drop every Monday. Also, if you are a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm presented by Baseball America. Tomorrow, dropping an episode with former Rays first-round pick, Clemson star, big leaguer Richie Schaefer. Great interview. Uh, Great time with him. You can check that out also wherever you get your podcast. And we will catch you on Big Screen Sports next Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.